0: Wants it to first. world champions.
1: The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have
0: sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice.
2: And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back to back.
0: It is episode 112 of For Future Considerations. Gosh, 111 was something else, boys. This is going to be a tough one to beat. Episode 112. I should mention it's the Misty May Trainer and Kerry Walsh episode of For Future Considerations. They won 112 straight matches in beach volleyball from August 2007 to August 2008. 19 straight tournaments. They won without losing a match for the whole calendar year. Pretty impressive number for those ladies. But my name is Matt, John, and it's finally covered up. Manny's here as well. Boys. <laughs> That's a great stat.
3: I love beach volleyball, eh? too. Yeah, I love beach volleyball.
0: Beers on Me would be a good beach volleyball song, I think.
3: Beers on Me is a sort of laid back. I was thinking more about it as I was listening back to episode 111. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and have a listen to the end of the show. But um, John lost his mind at the end there. But um, (laughs) that song... It's a more laid-back drinking song, right? Yeah. So, beers on me. That's on a, you know, it, like, it's on growing on
0: me. Sunset. Everybody's just kind of hanging yeah. out. You know, Joanne. It, it's not terrible. It, it's 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 a it's a decent enough song. Was it Joanne? What was her name?
3: It, I think it was. Right? wasn't? Yeah, Joanne. Yeah, it's Joanne. I, yeah, I'm sure. I, it's got the genre shot seal of approval and. More than a seal of approval, so... (laughs) Just breaking the seal, if you would. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, here we go again. Here we go again. (laughs) This is our second podcast of the week, the one we like to call the OT. And if you missed our previous episode, we had a lot of laughs. Hope you laughed with us. You also missed a lot of debate after a wild week in sports from the NHL trade deadline to the football and baseball chaos as well. Yeah, go back and listen, episode 111
0: for all of those debates. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous OT episode. We had Fred Wallace on, uh, the absolute classic that he is. Uh, you want to talk about laughing and, and actually just laughing at somebody's laugh. Uh, Fred Wallace is, is the king uh, for that. So you will enjoy that one for sure, as many people have.
1: Yeah, we had more people reach out by email and on social media after that podcast saying they loved it. We also received one email in particular that I wanted to share from Jim Bowman in Woodstock, who remembers meeting Fred while traveling to Owen Sound to see Dave Stevenson play for the Platers. Jim said he thoroughly enjoyed listening to Fred's stories and said, uh, keep up the good work, boys.
3: Oh, yeah. We got the Jim Bowman seal of approval now, too. Keep up the good work, boys. That's, That's pretty good. Like it. I like it a whole ton. I don't mind taking some of
1: uh, some of the glow from Fred Wallace that he has shone on us here. I uh, thought we did a solid job in that episode. Asked some good questions, you know.
3: It was a great episode,
0: one of the best. That is that's like the the peak now. That put us on the map, and we followed it up with that episode
3: one eleven. Can you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> my, my goodness.
3: <laughs> my, my goodness. And we quickly lost dozens of listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's like winning the Stanley Cup and then missing the playoffs the following year. Oh. The Montreal
3: Canadiens. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> sorry, whoa, sorry, whoa, sorry. Whoa, whoa,
1: <laughs> Now we have a guest on this episode of the OT who also has an Owen Sound connection.
3: This guy played five seasons in the Ontario Hockey League. He was a first round pick of the Owen Sound Attack in 2006. Also played with the London Knights and Mississauga St. Michael's Majors. He played for an OHL championship. He played for a Memorial Cup. He also played for St. Mary's University, the Huskies, before traveling across the Atlantic Ocean to play for the Edinburgh Capitals in Scotland. Now he's helping to groom young players as a director of scouting in the greater Toronto area. Please welcome to, for future considerations, Michael Durazio. Michael, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Manny. Long time, uh, no talks. Good to be here.
3: That's great having you. How have you been? Tell tell everyone what you've been doing lately.
2: I've been pretty pretty well, just uh, keeping busy. Uh, recently moved to Newmarket, Ontario. Um, so, you know, a bit of a change there. First time owning a house, so learning all, all, all the things to do with that and you know, keeping busy, still with, uh, still involved in hockey here in the, the OJHL, just um, director of scouting role with the Toronto Junior A Canadians and uh, full-time gig with uh, the Miller Group in uh, construction material sales. So keeping busy on the road a lot, but, uh, you know, enjoying my time.
3: So are you a handy guy around the house?
2: Not really. Not, I try to be, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I call my dad once in a while, you know, and get, uh, get his hands dirty and to kind of show me the ropes. But other than that, you know, usually hire, hire outside.
0: Yeah, you don't have to be handy if your dad's handy. You just there call your go. dad, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. the, the
2: same call way. My dad, call my dad, get him a case of beer, and he's happy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's cheap. Yeah, case of cheap. beer.
2: Yeah, I feed him a case of beer, and he's happy. So, yeah, pretty cheap, but <laughs> I appreciate the help.
3: Well, we have a lot that we want to talk about. Uh, tell us about growing up in Richmond Hill, though. Did you always want to play hockey? Was hockey your sport?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, grew up on a pretty big lot in Richmond Hill. Um, back when I grew up, it was pretty much – Richmond Hill was a bunch of farm fields. Now, you come through Richmond Hill, it's a pretty populated area. But uh, I was fortunate um, – to have a backyard rink my dad built me so that's that's where it started probably around four years old so um you know nothing was forced upon me I enjoyed myself and um from there I just you know joined the Richmond Hill Stars um type team and you know found a passion and just just went with it so um I usually played every sport though uh I know growing up my family is a big believer in you know, in the summer you play soccer, baseball, I played soccer, baseball, lacrosse, and then, you know, not not overdo it on the hockey side. So I played every sport, even played rugby. So I think that's a, that was a huge aspect, just to be a complete athlete and not getting burnt out, just playing hockey all the time, right?
0: And was defense always the position of, of choice, or did you just end up there one day and, and never leave, or how did that evolve?
2: Yeah, I think I think my dad just put. Obviously, I, every kid wants to be a goalie to start out, right? <laughs> my dad put an end to that pretty quick after he saw the price of pads and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the next thing was D, and I've I've stuck to it. I know a lot of guys play forward, play D, um, but I was a defenseman right from the beginning. So kind of honed, honed in those skills and uh, enjoyed myself back there, and you know just stuck through it my whole career, pretty much.
1: And you were drafted by the Owen Sound Attack, eighth overall in two thousand six. What do you remember about that day?
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting day. I guess I can talk more about it now that I'm done out of hockey. Uh, but uh, I wasn't planning on getting picked by Owen Sound. When when you're a top pick in the OHL, you kind of you know you you kind of you know I kind of wanted to go to Saginaw at twelve. I, my family visited there and. Um, you know, we had a good thing going, and and I told, we pretty much told Mike Futa, hey, listen, we're going to the NCAA, <laughs> and then um, Futes called my bluff and drafted me anyways, and uh, the rest is history, so um, we weren't disappointed. Uh, we were happy anywhere we are going. We just preferred to go to that number 12 spot, and Futes picked me at eight, but um, I remember sitting around my computer back then, I was just, computer refresh obviously i had a good idea um feuds gave me a call right before he made the uh, made the the draft pick so um i did go on a visit to own sound so i felt comfortable um in that situation too um with Stutz being the coach mike stuthers and and feuds so um you know it it was a great moment for my family you know um my dad never played hockey so it was the first time my family was going through through this and Um, It was great to be recognized and going eighth overall for sure. It's something I cherish to this day.
3: Maybe you can talk about that, Michael, a little bit, about how players try to position themselves to go to the team that they want to go to the team. Do a lot of kids, I know in your current role as director of scouting with the Toronto Junior Canadians, do a lot of kids talk to you about that, about trying to pick the place they end up?
2: Um. Some kids are in different situations. I mean, the kids we typically see in the OJHL are are late bloomers, kids that, you know, aren't going to be those first round and second round picks. Um, You know, there's obviously the odd player that chooses to go the NCAA route and, you know, if we're lucky to get them, we'll get them. But uh, for the most part, those players either go to the BCHL or they go play in the USHL. But, um you know, I haven't had much exposure on this end in terms of the top picks choosing where they want to go. But obviously, you know, as a player, you want to land in a spot where you think that you're going to be taken care of in terms of development and and getting to you know where you want to be. Um, but there's also a fine line, you know. You, you don't want to be too entitled. You you don't want to be um, a kid trying to you know, not be thankful for getting drafted 8th overall. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, if there's a better spot, you've done your research, you're comfortable with where you're going. Obviously, if you can kind of, not manipulate, but you can kind of, um, you know, put things in motion where you can be on, get to that spot where you want to be. I think a lot of guys still do it to this day. And uh, as you guys know, you've been around the OHL for a long time. It happens every year, right? So,
3: Every year, every Every
2: year. year, Right. So, I mean, if you're in a position to kind of do that, then, you know, in the end, looking back on it, um, you learn very quick in the hockey world that if you don't take things upon yourself, no one's going to, no one's going to help you out just for the sake of helping you out. So, um, you know, you, in the end, you got to take care of yourself, obviously being a team player, but in the end, you know, you got to look out for yourself and what's going to develop you the best.
0: And you played three seasons in, in Owen Sound, and then you got dealt to, to London. Uh, there's there's always been some stories around around that. How did uh, how did that trade uh, end up going through?
2: Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little background on my time in Owen Sound. Uh, when I got drafted, um, you know, Fuda, Mike Feuda drafted me. Um, Mike Stuthers was the head coach. You had Brian O'Leary, and uh, who was uh, who was the D coach? David Bell Belsey. And um, we were a highly touted team. We were going for it that year. We had Bobby Ryan, Bob Sanginetti, Theo Peckham, Josh Bailey, Trevor Lewis came in, and I was a young guy and, and found myself actually playing some minutes and being a big part of the team, which was great. And, um, you know, I had a lot of confidence. I had a great year, um, did everything that I needed to do, um, made the under seventeen. Uh, team Ontario team. And then that summer went on to play in the under-18 national team. And then, you know, things kind of not fell apart, but, you know, that brass left and, you know, most of our draft picks were traded away that year. So obviously the next couple years are going to be tough. Um, you know, Mark Reeds came in. Um, God bless his soul. Um, great guy, great coach. Uh, Dale DeGray came in. So a whole new brass, right? So it was just kind of me. Um, starting all over and with a new crew and having to prove myself again, which is which is hockey. It happens in hockey. Um, but I was seventeen. I was given a you know a leadership role, and um, we were a bad team. That's just we lost twenty games in a row. I think or eighteen or nineteen games in a row. I remember to end that that season. And 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 Mark Reed's had four hundred ninety nine pro wins, and he had to wait till the next season to get five hundred. I remember that. Um, but I was playing a lot of minutes. I was getting exposed and, you know, I wasn't in a great mindset. Um, obviously a bit of it was my attitude as well, just the way I approached every day. But, um, you know, after my third year, kind of the same thing happening and, you know, um, not seeing my development go the way I wanted to, I, um, decided to ask Dale DeGray for a trade and, um, um, you know, kind of earlier in my third year, I asked for a trade, to be honest, and nothing was done by the trade deadline. Um, And then all of a sudden, August is coming around and nothing's done again. So um, I think I was in San Jose at that time at training camp. And um, I told Dale and the brass that, you know, I would like a trade to be done. I'm I'm not reporting to camp kind of thing. And it's not like something I, I put in his lap last minute. It was something that you know, we've talked about all year. So I felt I needed a change of scenery. I think the Owensown Attack needed a change for me as well. Um, so when I was in San Jose, I got traded to London um, while I was there. Um, and and that's kind of how that ended. I mean, you know, I, I, it was nothing against Mark Reeds. I, I love that guy to death. He was a great coach and he he deserved everything that that team deserves everything they got. And Mark was a good guy, the, the best guy to take him through that. But for me personally, I needed a change. And um, I just felt that Dale wasn't urgent enough um, to make a trade or he was just going to wait for the perfect one where I was, you know, I wanted to start the season somewhere else. And um, I felt that that was the best way I was going to get that. So that's what happened. Yeah.
1: And then you played a season and a half in London before being traded to Mississauga, who was hosting the Memorial Cup, and then Small World, who you meet in the final. You meet the Owen Sound Attack. Uh, tell us about that championship series.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, going to London, I mean, I think that was great for my career. I got a lot of confidence back there. I was uh, back to being a go-to guy and was able to be a captain there and, uh, you know, was able to gain a lot of respect from Dale and Mark and, you know, get my game back. And then, uh, that's leading to, uh, the Mississauga trade. Uh, to be honest, I think that, um, they wanted Ryan Ellis and, uh, Mississauga did, and that, that didn't go through. And, um, so I was kind of a last minute, you know, we need something. I was having a great year. And, uh, I went over there and the number they gave me was number six. So, if you don't believe me, they wanted Ryan Ellis. That's that's a lot, but, um, but yeah, yeah, that's that was funny. But um, yeah, I was um, it was weird getting in that championship championship series with own sound. Um, a funny story is actually, you know, I can tell it now. I was pulled into um, Mark's office before the Mississauga trade and. Owen Sound actually had interest in taking me back. So um, I had that conversation with Mark um, and I don't think that was a route I really wanted to go, to be honest. Um, And I'm not sure if it was just speculation or not, but Mark did call me in in his office to talk about that. And then um, the Mississauga came up. I had a no trade clause and I remember we were in the Sioux that night with London and we got back at four or five in the morning and, Dale called me in his office, and everyone was there: Mark, Dale, um, Jim McKellar, and they just said, "Do you want to go?" And to be honest, uh, I didn't want to go. <laughs> and Dale was like, "Man, like this is you're you're gonna play in the Memorial Cup, like you you gotta go." Yeah, he Mississauga said, getting, was the host team, right? So the host team, right? So. <sighs> And Dale's like, I'm getting three second-round picks too, so let's, <laughs> let's get this ball <laughs> Like in the back of his head but Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. It was – I could have said no, but, um, you know.
3: You were, you shocked, were you shocked that Owen Sand was knocking on the – kicking the tires again for you again?
2: No, um, not really because I had a good relationship with Mark. Um, you know, me and Dale didn't see eye to eye just because of what – went on at the end there when I was requesting trades and, you know, he had the perception that I was handcuffing him. Uh, I didn't, um, just based on the length of time I was asking for a trade. Um, but no, I think, uh, it's a business in the end. There's, you know, I don't like burning bridges and it kind of looked that way in the media, to be honest. But, um, you know, I continue to talk to guys from that team, Joey Hish and Garrett Wilson, all those guys. Right. But, um, no, I wasn't surprised a little bit, to be honest, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And anyways, I went to Mississauga and, you know, enjoyed my time there. And then championship series, <laughs> plain old sound. I'm like, come on, this is, <laughs> this isn't real. So to be honest, like we were the better team on paper one, 100% and, um, we just couldn't get it done. We couldn't get it done. Um we we I think we went up 2 to nothing in the series and yeah. you know we that team we never really lost four games in a row um but um it, like it happened that we went to game 7 and once you go to game 7 anything can happen right and Owen Sound won and it was kind of you know it, it hurt at the time but you know Mark deserved it that team deserved it they worked hard um but do I regret not staying no I don't I don't at all to be honest I it was it's it just wasn't the best situation for me at that time and um it was time to move on but you know I'm happy that uh market got, got that satisfaction Mark reads because that team my second year I think it was 2007 2008 we were in the dumps like Manny like we were bad we I were,
3: remember you don't have like, to tell me I <laughs> you, like, I, I remember
2: and Mark pretty much had to rebuild that team. Mark and Dale, like, just he coached. We were in, we were in the video room for like two hours. I remember, guys brought pillows, like, and you know we were on the ice for a long time. Like, he built that team, and Mark Reed's is the reason why that team did what they did, one thousand percent.
3: Yeah, Mark Reed's was a great coach. Yeah, uh, he- you you mentioned Dale Hunter there, so I'm, I, I'm sure people are listening in and going. What is what's it like to play for Dale Hunter? How how was that experience?
2: You know what? It's the total opposite of what I thought when I first got there. You know, I remember him coming to own sound, and you know, for some reason, own sound always got under Dale's skin, right? <laughs> he, he would either get thrown out, having to walk across the rink, or you know what I mean. There's always a, I just remember remember Dale and and London always having a hard time in own sound, but it was I thought he was going to be a raw raw you know, in-your-face kind of coach, and he was the total opposite. Um, he garnered a lot of respect just based on who he was. Um, but he was very smart. He 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 watched hockey every – he'd probably be at the rink at 5 a.m. watching hockey. Um, they all studied the game. But for the most part, Dale took a step back. His assistant coaches usually ran practice, usually did all the talking, but you knew it was Dale that was – you know, moving the puzzles behind the scene. And when he had to talk, he, t- he spoke. But um, he just had that respect for us that um, we were going to get the job done. And one thing I I noticed and still talk about to this day, there's one thing about Dale, he never made a big deal out of anything. You know, if we went on a three-game losing streak, like he wouldn't – it's just let's get back to work kind of thing. He wouldn't be rah-rah, let's do this. You guys are bag skating for two weeks kind of thing. It was just let's get back to business, let's get back – Let's get back to winning, and um, you know the culture in London's built itself over the years. So it, it's um, Dale was a great, great guy, and still talk to him to this day. Still go to the London Knights golf tournaments and have a beer with Dale and uh, and uh, talk about and reminisce about our times together. But uh, you know it's not a surprise what they do there every year after year.
3: How is it like playing in the Mem Cup?
2: You know what that that was that was cool um you know it's definitely something I grew up watching every year so I was I was like wow I'm actually playing in it but like you know when you're preparing and you know you're gonna play in the M Cup it's kind of you're just numb to it when when you're there um I think it was kind of different for us because it was in Mississauga I was living at home at the time so it's not like I traveled there or anything so um but it, it was cool it was uh it was an exp- it was a cool experience you know family friends everyone watching being able to come to the games and you know it, it was cool it's definitely something that not many people get to say they did um you know playing the memorial cup like let alone winning but actually playing the mem cup it's it's something special right you can you can look back at the rest of your life
0: and after your OHL career, you, uh, you went out east and, and played at St. Mary's uh, for, for a few years for your CIS time. What was the CIS-like uh, 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 experience for you as a player? And, and obviously the hockey is, is one of the best kept secrets out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, I had a decision to make uh, whether, you know, I'm going to the coast, I'm going to the American League or I'm going to pursue my school. And I had a good school package, obviously. Um, So, you know, I decided to go out to Halifax with, with my best friend, Jamie Dornbosch. He played in Kitchener. Um, And uh, we kind of went down there. We didn't go on a visit because I played in the Mem Cup till, till May. Right. So we didn't have that opportunity to go down there. So the first time we drove to Halifax was the first time me or him have ever been on the East coast. So (laughs) we had all our bags packed and we're ready to go, but, um, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, if you guys have been to Halifax, you guys know that's probably one of the best cities I've been to. i have pretty well traveled guy in the world. Great um, city. It's unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. And you know, at first, you know, for an OHL got for an OHL guys and a lot of major junior guys that go to the CIS, it's kind of an adjustment period. Um, you know, you still get treated like a pro. You get your sticks. You get your skates. It just you don't get the bling. You don't get the jumbotrons. You don't get the 10,000 people in the stands. Right. Um, but in terms of hockey, um, it is top, top notch hockey. It, there's some good players out there. And, um, you know, even now I tell players like, you know, make sure, you know, you don't disqualify esports. sports Like if you have the opportunity to go play anywhere in the sports like take the opportunity and, and go do it. I mean, the amount of friends I met there, you know, the amount of connections I made there, the experience I've had there. I mean, I met my fiancé there in Halifax. We are about to get married here in May. Um, so um, it was an awesome experience. Uh, so, yeah, I spent five years out there and, you know, don't regret a thing. It was it was awesome.
1: And then you traveled to Scotland to play two seasons for the Edinburgh Capitals and the yeah. Scotland... Uh, Elite Ice Hockey League. Uh, what was that experience like?
2: You know what? It was um, it was fun. Um, so after my fifth year in the CIS, I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to play pro um, at least for a couple years kind of thing. And Edinburgh called and they said, well, listen, Mike, um, you come to our team, we'll pay for your, your MBA as well. You want to take your MBA? It's a two-year program, so you sign a two-year contract. And you know we'll still pay you get an apartment you get a vehicle and you can bring your your girlfriend at the time too so i jumped Where do i on sign it. up yeah i jumped <laughs> on it like right away right away i didn't even think of the coast and think of the american league like you could I have went to the coast played a few games of the american league probably but you know getting an nba paid for you know it's it's a no-brainer to me getting to live in europe um you know we traveled all over the place like got to experience a lot of, a lot of different cultures, play with a lot of different guys from all over the world. And, um, it's funny cause my second year, um, we, we hired uh, Dmitry Christage as the head coach and, uh, he, <laughs> we, he signed a bunch of Russians on our team. So there's probably like four, four Canadians, a couple Americans and the rest were Russians, just spoke Russian and didn't even know to speak English. And, you know, we had a good time with him. And then, uh, Dimitri, um, got fired in December and, um, the owner came up to me, said, Hey, uh, do you want to be the player coach? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Like I've always been told by my teammates, like I'd be a good coach when I'm done playing. So I, I said, I guess this is a great transition into what I want to do later on in life. Right. So, I said, "Oh, yeah, no problem." I mean, I I strapped a whistle to my glove, so like I'm going down the ice, taking a shot, and then I'm blowing my whistle after. For the, it was pretty funny. And then <laughs> um, I had an assistant coach that was there; that like, he was on the bench without equipment, right? So I gave him the lineups. I did everything, ran practice. It was a great experience. Uh, we weren't we were a terrible team, terrible team, but. Um, <laughs> But we, I had a good time with it, and uh, I learned a lot. And um, it's actually, you know, kind of crazy. Um, Dimitri's actually fighting in Ukraine because he's Ukrainian right now. He's actually in Kyiv right now. Wow. With a machine gun. Guy played eight years in the NHL. That's
3: crazy. And,
2: and he's in Ukraine wow. right now with a machine gun defending his country. Like, So it's really like that really hit home to me. And, and the only way I found out is through Gord Miller. I was. I was following Gordon Miller on TSN, and he screenshotted a conversation with him and Dimitri, and that's how I found out. But it, it's mind-boggling to even think that he's doing that right now, right? So wow, that's the connection there. Yeah,
3: yeah. From going to hockey to to fighting I for know. your country, right? How's your Russian? Did you ever pick up Russian?
2: Uh, a few words, a few swear words, but um,
1: <laughs> it's
3: always you know, the swear words. The only yeah, the good ones, know.
2: right? Yeah, only the good ones. Yeah, but uh, it was definitely a culture change, and you know, it's uh, it was it was a good time. Like um, anytime you can go play in Europe, travel the world, and you know, play decent caliber hockey, and it was it
0: was awesome. It was a, it was a great experience. We've had a couple of players uh, that have played in Europe, and and have had some wild stories of of what. Hockey is like uh, just from the spectators and, and dealing with the fans and stuff. What stands out for you in, in that vein in Scotland?
2: All right, so um, obviously they look at it as more of a football kind of thing. So when you go to when you go to a rank, um, home and away fans are separated. So it's kind of like soccer, right? So away fans will be on one side, home fans will be on the other side, and they're shouting across at each other. They hate each other. There's fights, there's everything, but the one thing I remember about this league is the home team always supplies the away team with a case of beer after every game, every game, and um, so win or lose, we'd crack a beer after every game and have a beer in the dressing room. So that that was kind of a cool aspect. And with the uh, visiting team, no, no. So the home team had to. So, so when you get to the rink, there'd be a case of beer. You know, like they used in the old, they used to leave the Gatorade or the water yeah, for yeah. you they left a case of beer so you'd, you'd go there and you have a case of beer there
3: <laughs> but you wouldn't drink with the other team you just they no, have a the no. case you'd of beer with drink it
2: after the game but they have to supply it right the home team has to right. supply it and it was more laid back right people had fun there and you still worked hard on the rink but you know i can count how many times like maybe once a week we'd have beers after practice in the dressing room and you know it's just more laid back and you know, it wasn't like, don't get me wrong, the EIHL has grown a lot. There's a lot of good players that that been through it. That, you know, um, the big urn was there when I was there. He was playing in, uh, playing in Nottingham. This guy's head is massive. And referees were scared to call penalties against him. That's how they were scared. So he would, like, come by the bench and, like, he'd stare everyone down. Who wants to go? And, like, our whole team would, like, pretty much look away. Like, yeah, I don't want uh, like, there must be something in the stands there. We just turn around. Like everyone was, like, it was pretty much a. It was a heavyweight league. Like Cam Jansen was in it. Um, who else was there? There's there's a bunch. Oh, Jay Rosehill. was a bunch of heavyweights. So I mean, if you made a hit in that league, you had to fight. So no one made. Like I didn't hit. I was like, it's not. Worth wow. It. Yeah, that's funny. I was like, it's not worth it. You you make a hit, you have to fight. And, um, so that why,
3: that's why everybody in Scotland loved hockey because it was all fights.
2: You know what? That they love it. They eat that up. Like <laughs> if you can, like, if you can start a team there and at least get one fighter to fight once a game, you would sell out. Like it's, they <laughs> love it. They absolutely love it. And, um, so it was a bit old, like a bit old school hockey, you know, um, uh, you know, it reminded me like my first year in the O kind of, uh playing at old Windsor arena. That rank was crazy. The old that Windsor was arena. crazy. Yeah. Like that's how those games felt over there. Just fans screaming the whole time. You know what I mean? Like the dressing rooms in the the concourse kind of thing. Like you're mingling with the fans. Everyone's drinking beers. Um, it's just a great atmosphere. It was, all, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was definitely different than hockey here. But, uh, you know, it, it was great. I mean, we got to do a lot of stuff, you know, like meet the uh, Scottish national team, the rugby team, because we shared um, a parking lot with the, the national team stadium. So we got to see the All, back, all Blacks play Scotland. Cool. Like it, there was some cool stuff we did. And, um, but, you know, it, the atmosphere in, in hockey over there reminded me mostly of it was a soccer game pretty much, chanting. Each, each player has a chant um you know what was fire, your chant uh it was uh dorazio and then they hit a they hit a freaking a drum or whatever after <laughs> and it was, it was kind of cool it was uh it was a cool atmosphere and um you know fireworks in the stands like there's some crazy stuff for sure <laughs> you know stuff that you're like what the like who let this person in here with that? that's not legal <laughs> you know what I mean and uh, but it was fun it was a good time and I'm glad like my parents got to come over and, and witness a couple games and 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 be there and you know and you get to travel like we played in Cardiff there was a team in Cardiff Belfast like one in Belfast um, you know all over England Milton Keynes which is close to London so you know we had a good time we got to travel around and, and meet a lot of good people
1: you described how it's a bit of a different experience. Was there a moment when you first arrived when it hit you and you're like, this is going to be a little different than North America? Was there something that happened right off the bat where you kind of went, wow, this is not the same as home?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing was, uh, so my first year there, we we had a player coach, um, Michael Dobrin, and he's, he's a Czech. And, uh, you know, I've never had a player coach before. I've always had, you know, professional head coaches that weren't playing and um, you know, our coach would uh, <laughs> it was just weird seeing someone walk around with, or skate around with a, with a whistle. And, you know, he was like, he was my D partner. So, you know, he'd be coaching and I have to tap him. Hey, we're going out on the ice. And, you know, he's still coaching. I'm like, it's a different, like it's a different, different kind of game. And I think the game now, even there now, I don't think there's any player coaches in the, in the, uh, in the league anymore, but, You know, the player coach definitely sticks out to me as being like, Wow, this is different. You don't really see this in North America anymore, for sure.
3: We're gonna put you on the spot with a couple other questions. What's your craziest hockey memory? Doesn't matter what league craziest craziest hockey memory.
2: Or best. Craziest or best? Either or um craziest. Um Probably uh, in 2013, I went to uh, the World University Games, represented uh, Team Canada in Italy, and uh, we want we actually. <laughs> so the prerequisite to be in this tournament, you have to take one university course. So uh, when we played Russia, um, it was pretty much a team of KHL players. Like they, none of them freaking took school. Like it was, <laughs> like it was obvious. It was. It was a great game. But anyways, we played um, – we went on to play Kazakhstan in the finals. We beat them. And we were celebrating. We had beers and everything and went back to the hotel. And we, we were like, you know, where's the best club to go to? Is there a club? Because we were in like a mountain town. and um, Anyways, there's a club. It was a kind of an underground. And we're there having a few drinks and enjoying, enjoying ourselves. And the Kazakhstan team comes in that we just beat. And, you know, they're talking to us. And um, – you know, whatever. And then I, I overheard, like, some of the – one of the Kazakhstan players saying to, like, one well, of my teams "Hey, you buy me drink right now. And I was like, that's not a player you want to say that to kind of thing. And all of a sudden, soccer punch that he – <laughs> and it was um, – they pulled the fire alarm and it was a 20-on-20 20 20 brawl, Canada versus Kazakhstan in <sighs> – an Italian club and they just let it happen because there weren't enough bouncers to stop it. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, it was crazy. you know, one of my teammates broke his hand and had to miss the rest of the playoffs in the CIS. Um, Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then um, our flight. So we were there. It was probably three in the morning. Our flight was in Milan at like 6am. So right out of there, we got everyone out and we went on the bus, got on the bus, everything was packed and we went to the airport. So to this day we still don't know who we left behind like who like, we all made it on the bus and we got on the flight no one called us no one got arrested and uh you know it's in a story that we we uh we laugh about to this day but it was uh it was a full
3: crazy. out bar brawl
2: full and out. you're on a
3: plane three hours later
2: three hours later three <laughs> hours later yeah, it was uh it was pretty insane it was. So what you're
1: saying is there may be a warrant for your arrest still.
2: Maybe, uh, but I've been back to Italy since, and uh, I'm not in handcuffs, so that's a good. Oh,
1: well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So that that's probably my craziest craziest hockey moment right there. That's pretty, pretty
0: good. Crazy. What's the what are the best and worst uh, cities you've played in?
2: Uh, best city, um, in terms of hockey, probably I'd say London. Um, just because there's just a buzz in that town on game night on Friday nights. And, you know, even going out after games, you know, you see people with nice jerseys on, um, and, you know, having a good time and you're kind of like a little celebrity there, but worst city I've played
3: in, um, I gotta be careful here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) say a place in Europe, you're never going to travel again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's some, there's some. There are some places in Europe, but, um, yeah, probably th- there's a place in Europe, um, Team Fife place, It's in Kirkcaldy, Scotland. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, about an hour out of Edinburgh. It's uh, kind of a dump of a rink, so not everyone liked playing there, but uh, they were tough to play against, but that's definitely, that's definitely taking the cake.
3: Yeah. Toughest guy you ever faced?
2: Toughest guy? Jay Rosehill. He gave me my last concussion. Yeah. He gave me my last concussion. I should have known better. I hit him earlier in the game and I knew he was going to come after me. I made a pass and I was turning up ice. He totally blindsided me. Got five game suspension for it, but I was out for two or three months. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Obviously, no one no one dropped their gloves and
3: stuck up for me because uh, it was Jay Rosehill, <laughs> and I don't blame them. <laughs> well, you said if somebody if you hit somebody, you're gonna have to fight, and this guy didn't fight.
2: Oh no, because we didn't have a heavyweight on our team. I mean, if you had a Brian McGrath like that'd be a different story. But you know, it's uh, Jay Rosehill is a psychopath. He truly is. Like, I mean, a guy that played in the NHL all those years, and then comes to the UK and fights every game and it's still blindsiding players, like, come on. Something's wrong with you.
1: <laughs> and what's your best memory in all of hockey?
2: Best memory? Um, I have a few. I mean, I, I, I really think that the gold medal in uh, Trentino, Italy, for, in the World University game is definitely up there. Uh, playing in the Memorial Cups, definitely one of them. Um, you know, NHL training camps is definitely up there to sharing the ice with a lot of guys. You know, I looked up to, you know, Rob Blake was one of them. Um and, you know, Best Memory, yeah, those 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 three kind of stick out. But um you know, hockey in general, it's just when I look back on it, it's um something I cherish for, for sure it gave me a lot and uh, I always tell people hockey doesn't owe me anything I didn't make it to NHL but uh, it certainly paved um, paved where I am today and gave me the opportunities where I am so I think my best memory is just being able and being fortunate to play the game for as long as I did and meet the people I did.
3: Now you're a director of scouting for the Toronto Junior Canadians talk about your role in uh what you try to accomplish in that role
2: yeah I mean um so like I said I mean I I started off after playing hockey jumped right into assistant coach and uh with my full-time job um with the Miller group I just wasn't able to sustain that so you know speaking of the general manager I said I'd I'd still like a role with the team and we kind of transitioned me to a director of the scouting role and um you guys probably know what instat is it it makes uh, scout's lives pretty easy. Um, You know, you get to type in a player's name and, and you can watch all the video you want on him. I I do travel to the rink, rinks a lot as well to, um, to watch some games, but uh, I got a team of four guys under me and uh, we kind of just bounce stuff off each other. And, um, you know, if our general manager has some players he wants me to look at, uh, then I'll look at them kind of thing. And, and that's pretty much it. You know, I, I go to the odd home games, away games, to stay involved. Uh, but but that's pretty much it. So just trying to stay involved with the game and, and be connected in that way and, you know, be involved in the dressing room, coaches room, just so uh, I get my hockey fix. Uh, and, and seriously, the, the bigger part is, too, I like helping these kids. I mean, a lot of them, you know, have to make decisions at a young age, like we spoke about earlier. I mean, NCAA versus OHL. And you know, for the most part, OJHL, you're trying to promote kids to the NCAA. So having me there as kind of the opposite, I did the opposite. I went to the OHL, and I and I did. I went that route instead of NCAA. And you know, I can kind of have both both perspectives. Um, and the perspective I've always given is if you have to, you have to go to where you're going to play. Period. I mean, a lot of these parents think, you know. I need to, um, I want my kid to play in the, O. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But if he's not ready, he's not going to play. It's not going to do any good for him. He's just going to sit on the bench. You're not going to develop. So, um, you know, there's there's a few kids that make that decision. I try to steer them away from it, but in the end it's their decision. But, um, you know, a lot of them listen as well. So, um, you know, I, I like that aspect of it. You know, a lot of people give ask me advice on what they should do. And, you know, I keep it open-ended because in the end it's their decision and um i do believe whatever decision you make you you know you can make the best of it and and make it but uh you know i like to give them some guidance and some wisdom from from the way i went through things and the way i did things and um you know sometimes uh the way my attitude stood in my way and you know taking you know a, a 180 you know sitting back and you know looking at the big picture and you know, resetting. So, yeah, I do help kids a lot. I do mentor a few of them and, um, and I enjoy it.
3: Some great stories and some great advice, Mike. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us.
2: Thanks for having me on Manny. And, uh, I'll never forget our attack rap days, uh, at Rogers. That was, uh, that was a highlight me. I'd always call in and try to give you a hard time. And, you know, I was a young kid then 16 years old, I would just start laughing and, Manny would have to rope me in and be like, come on, get it together, kid. You gotta get used to
3: it. Do you remember the fake name you always used when you called into the show?
2: Uh, I don't remember. Was it like Joe for meford or something? Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always, uh, whenever Joey Hishin was on, I would always call in. But uh, that was always a good time. Are they doing it still? I think they are. They are still doing it.
3: They're you should good. call in. Joe yeah. from Eifert should call in again.
2: I should call in. I should call in. <laughs> I, I'll have to wait till Joey Hishin gets on there again And uh, as assistant general manager. <laughs> that would be great. So that would be great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, and
3: uh, congratulations on your upcoming marriage, too. Yeah. Oh,
2: thank you.
3: Thank you. Our thanks again to Michael DeRazio for sharing his hockey journey with us. Uh, it's great that uh, – not only he went from the OHL to CIS to Europe, that's fantastic, and now he's, he's coaching young hockey players too. That, that's pretty good It's a pretty good story.: Yeah, it's a great career so far and, and certainly
0: a ton to, to go and a good program that he's, uh, he's working with up there in Toronto.
1: I love hearing stories about guys playing in Europe and what that's like. It's always interesting to hear those experiences. And before we go, we have a couple of listener questions, guys, that came in after our debate show earlier this week. Uh, we had a lot of show in episode 111, so go back and have a listen. But Steven Godrich was disappointed that we didn't talk more about March Madness in the Sweet 16. Who do you guys got?
3: Well, I saw some of the action last night. Your boy, Drew Timmy. Timmy. For Gonzaga. You dirty dog. <laughs> Some great storylines, though. Michigan making it into the Sweet 16 again. Duke with Mike sh- last run. That's pretty impressive, too. What's your bracket looking like right now? No, not very good. <laughs> no, no, not very good. I, I had a, Arizona. By the way, the Sunday night game last weekend with Arizona, mm-hmm. that was – the best basketball game that I've seen in a long time. There you go. Yeah. Uh, St. Peter's going yeah. all the way. They play against Purdue on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Can Do you think St. Peter's can win again? No. No? They're done? Yeah. Great story. No. <laughs> Great story. You're right. <laughs>
0: We got an office pool going on right now uh, that we're running. Um, I'm sitting right, probably lower middle, right, right around uh, the bottom there. But I've still got my champ. <laughs> I've still got my all four of my final four. So I'm, I think I'm sitting
3: pretty here. Oh, that's pretty good. You still have all four of your final four. I got
0: Arizona, Duke, Purdue, and Kansas. I'm sitting pretty right now. That's pretty impressive. I had Michigan going into the Sweet 16. Did you guys have Michigan? No, I took Tennessee uh, right out of the gate because
3: Juan Howard is a goofball.
1: <laughs> I did take Michigan, and then Gonzaga was my other big favorite that I had.
3: So I only have three of my final four left.
0: Well, that's Someone, uh, as long as you got. At this point, if you if you've got your champ and three out of four at least in the in the final four, whatever bracket you're in, you're going to make some noise.
1: And uh, I saw the stat, of course, that uh, people always talk about, that the odds of filling out a perfect bracket are 1 in 9.2 quintillion, so we don't have to feel too bad about not having a a great.
3: Wow, that's a stat. Stat of the day right there. (laughs) Quintillion. How many zeros is that?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a good question.
3: Good question.
0: Thanks for having me on, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: (laughs) All right. We also had an email from Josh in Winnipeg, Manitoba, who loved the Pump It or Dump it song by Dirk Bentley, but he wanted more love about Carlos Correa signing with the Minnesota Twins. What do
0: you guys think of that move?
3: You well, touched sure Carlos, on it briefly, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Carlos Correa loves it.
0: I mean, the, does, he this paid. Makes, <laughs> yeah, does this make the Minnesota Twins a threat in the American League Central Division? Absolutely not. Does this make them a threat in three years when this contract would be up and he'd be handing his, holding his hand out for more money? No chance in hell. I, I think this is a great deal for anybody outside of the American League uh, Central that doesn't have to play him very much anymore because he's a, sp- a fantastic player. Um, I think he is probably the guy in the end of the day that is going to have the most shocking free agent experience that he gets three years, Trevor Story gets six, and, and Correa is the was the number one free agent going into the year. He's still getting a ton of money. Again, another situation that I look. I'm, I am I the know the depth chart off the top of my head of the Minnesota Twins? Absolutely, I do because I'm great at this. But uh, <laughs> overall,
3: <laughs> you can't name more than three guys. I, that's the problem. I, I don't
0: think this makes Minnesota even a 500 team. I, I I don't buy the Twins at all. I think this is a waste of a signing.
3: I think it makes them 500, but I don't think they're, they're making much noise. Like, this is them putting all their chips in. Like, Whoa. they think their window to win is now. But their number one starter is Sonny Gray. Their number two guy is Dylan Bundy. Two yeah. guys who have struggled. Of late. Their ERAs are over four. Like, maybe the fact that they play in Minnesota helps their numbers because it's a bigger park, pitcher's park, but I don't know. They got your boy, Rogers, the closer
0: there, so they don't stand a chance, right, Manny?
3: (laughs) Exactly. He's cost me a few games in the pool. Yeah, no,
0: I'm I'm surprised by – I mean, I'm not surprised by the money, I'm surprised by the term. I'm really surprised by the team on on both ends. It doesn't do anything for me.
1: Thanks for that question from Josh. It's always nice to get a few more questions in on the OT. You can send us your questions, comments and topics by email at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah. Remember
0: you can follow us on social media for more debate, great content as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook. Monday we put out the poll so you can take a a look at that and the options and vote on that as you go. Uh, And uh, about every 40 seconds it updates with some sort of video or highlight from somewhere. So uh, uh, keep it top of mind can you can you pin uh, the the five, the four future considerations uh, Instagram and, uh, and and Twitter pages uh, I don't know if you can but it's worth it if you can
3: make sure they're your favorites there's nothing wrong with that we want to thank our sponsors on the show as well. A London Outings quality that shows. Also Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. Specializing in sport training and nutrition.
1: Thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week on the next edition of 4 Future Considerations.
3: That was a disgraceful performance in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality is awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the